As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Eastern Conference grades time on the Dunked on Basketball podcast, the Dunked on Basketball NBA podcast, I should say. Thank you, Jay Rakowski, for that suggestion. We're sponsored today by Betterment. Go to betterment.com slash capspace to get up to six months of no fees for lower cost automated investing. Yeah, I think we're going to see just a little bit more red ink this time around than on the West, which there really weren't any terrible off seasons in the West. Uh, the East had a number of teams that just like actively hurt themselves. Was it last year where there was like a ridiculous disparity in A's in one conference versus the other? I remember one of the years that we've done this, there was, but this is another one of those. Like I, I didn't have, not only is there the general disparity, but there just weren't that many teams in the East that had great off seasons too no that's true in fact well i don't want to spoil it but there were not (laughs) that is correct uh let's start with the hawks big move of course was letting paul Millsap go they also and i thought that was the right move they didn't it didn't make sense to keep him around even at the lower salary he eventually got from the nuggets they did not really make him a contract offer they wanted to hit the reset button and get back into the draft add picks use their cap space to acquire more picks and i thought that they executed their plan extremely well in all of those regards except for one glaring exception and by that you mean trading dwight howard for a guy with an even worse contract yes exactly it was a salary dump that somehow managed to add salary years from now an additional year on the contract for Plumley making about 12 million a year and I understand what the thinking was was hey we got to get rid of Dwight he was poisoning the culture that was the last regime's move but Dwight could still play number one and number two and getting off his money he probably was a negative value contract so getting off of his money was good but with the return that they got which also included trading the number 31 pick for the number 41 pick and they also got Marco Bellinelli so they didn't really save much in the way of money this year maybe about three million and then next year they would save about eight million and then the year after that they would have 12 million or so more on the books rather than make that trade i would rather we said this at the time just like bought dwight out or just paid him to go home they could have waited a little bit and stretched him and it's not like they used every cent of that oh they didn't even really add that much space this year but they didn't really maximize on any sort of benefit there moving down in the draft hurt hurt them just because there were some players that were around at 31 that were not around at 41 and i don't think bellinelli is going to move the needle too much for them the other things that we have to mention that are important they drafted john collins in the first round i think that looks better than i expected i I did not know much about him from wake forest going in i liked him in summer league they also added Dwayne dedman on a reasonable contract re-signed ersan Ilyasova and mike muscala on reasonable contracts claimed nicholas brusino off waivers acquired a first round pick for basically 
basically dead salary that was Jamal Crawford. And then they also lost Tim Hardaway Jr., who they declined to match properly, Tabo Cephalosha, who got a reasonable contract, and then they waived Mike Dunleavy, who was still unsigned. Yeah, and I liked pretty much all of those moves. They also got Diamond Stone, who they just waived. Interesting to note there that Travis Schlenk, of course, came from Golden State, and Stone had a stint in Santa Cruz that, from what I heard, did not go very well from just a relationship standpoint. And maybe that's part of why Diamond Stone no longer has a job. A good lesson to young players that even when it's not your team, it doesn't matter who you encounter, do a good job and make a good impression no matter who's around. You never know who is going to be in your future. I gave them a B because I think they did the hard things that needed to be done. It was clear that Tony Ressler, their owner, wanted to kind of keep competing. Mike Budenholzer, who was in charge before this, clearly wanted to keep competing. Ressler said, hey, Paul Millsap's going to be our top priority. We're going to re-sign him. And Travis Schlenk came in and he was able to execute his vision. And he did it better than a lot of these other East teams, I think, where they actually are going to be bad enough now that they should have a, a good draft pick. They've got some guys on short-term tradable contracts as well they might be able to get some more assets for at the trade deadline someone like Ilyasova Muscala who's on a cheap deal although he does have a player option I might have wanted to see if I could get him for a little bit longer although five million a year is pretty good there Deadman also has a player option making six million with some incentives this season so I didn't quite understand the point of Ilyasova and Deadman if you're trying to be bad why not just let your young guys play more like John Collins for example but maybe they can trade those guys and and that's the point there or they just don't want to completely bottom out so just I I like that they made the hard decision that we're really going to rebuild. It was just the reason I didn't give them a higher grade was just because the Howard trade was so perplexing. I had similar logic to you, but I gave them a lower grade. I gave them a C for two big reasons. One, I don't give them credit for not matching on Tim Hardaway because that was just a terrible contract and making the, it's kind of like taking the drafting the right guy at number one. It's like, yeah, you made the right decision. You had a lot of options. You did the right thing. Congratulations. Millsap. Yes, they get some credit for that. I hate the Dwight Howard trade. I hated the Dwight Howard trade i think that it was just kind of a even if the center market dried up like it did i just don't think that was a good evaluation of the situation and even if you just wanted to let him go miles Plumley has one of the worst contracts in the league right now and so to get him in a trade where you actually give up the the best asset that goes either way is you moving down in the draft i didn't like that and then and then to not only get Plumley, like they obviously don't think he can play because they just signed deadman they re-signed muscala they draft another guy who's probably going to be a center in Collins so it's not like there this was even an evaluation like oh yeah Plumley, maybe he can still help us you know blah, blah, like and he's not going to be he's going to be totally dead money three years from now when he's still making 12 million and that's when your cap space might actually be valuable if they can hopefully get onto the upswing by that right. point. it'll, it'll so, yeah. probably take them a year or two to figure this out so even if they had not stretched White Howard and just put him on the books for next year when they'll have some space and then the other part that I didn't like about it they did do some of taking their medicine with Millsap, and that's great. I think they made the right decision there. But to me, partially because of Budenholzer, I think that Deadman and Ilyasova are a little bit too good for them. That Budenholzer and those type of guys, like, yeah, their offense is still going to be abysmal this year. But I think they were going to sneak more games than they should. And the really the, the only way, or uh, to be charitable, the best way for the Hawks to become a lot better is to get one of those really elite picks. And it takes some work to be worse than some of the worst teams in the league. I mean, you look at where the Bulls are. We'll talk about them in a few minutes. And I 
think Atlanta is a little bit too good for that. And you, you said, and I, I said that they're reasonable contracts. You said that they might be tradable. We, I just don't think there's much of a market for those type of guys. I mean, Dwayne Dedman is a good player, but nobody was paying him. And there isn't that much available money around the league. The way that those could be useful, and you were the one who got this idea in my head, is if they end up trying to, in season, take on long-term money. In that sort of a circumstance, it could work. Like Let's say in February, they want to take on a contract. And instead of just doing it with cap space they can give them guys that can actually play but yeah like like Jan Mahimi from the Wizards would be like a perfect example of the sort of person that they could take on and say hey you know what like we got Deadman, we got Ilyasova like Washington those guys can still help you this year right and so I I gave them a C but if they can pull something like that off I will think about this offseason differently it's just that we don't have much of a precedent for that so I'm not going to price that in as much but if uh, but I I openly acknowledge the possibility that Schlenk can really work that out and if so i give him full credit yeah they still have six million dollars in cap space to work with as well i think that maybe just i'm more cynical than you are and therefore i give these teams more credit for just avoiding the pratfalls of just okay we're gonna try and chase the a seed and just you know the suns when we had that debate was kind of in the same category like i give them more credit for just actually doing what needed to be done in a lot of these circumstances and doing something like taking on jamal crawford's dead money for a first round pick and letting these guys someone like Millsap go after the owner publicly said they would keep him like I give them credit for being able to actually be a decent organization and do the right thing and we'll see of course many organizations coming up here who did not fall into that category we'll get to the Boston Celtics here but first this from our friends at Betterment Betterment presents financial fact number 24 not all financial advisors are required by law to act in your best interest that means that if you're better off investing in company A they may advise you to invest in company B because they may get a kickback from that transaction a financial advisor that commits to providing advice in your best interest is called a fiduciary and Betterment is a fiduciary Betterment is the largest independent online financial advisor and promises to act in its customers best interest how Betterment is built on technology to bring you sophisticated investment and financial advice, constantly working to optimize your money to help you reach your financial goals, all at a lower cost than more traditional financial services. If you like talking to a person, Betterment also offers calls with their team of CFP professionals and licensed financial experts. Regardless of what service you prefer, you pay only a flat fee starting at 0.25%. There are no additional charges for transactions, transfers, or rebalancing. Betterment offers other special tools as well, like tax impact preview, allowing you to see the estimated effect any moves you make may have in your tax liability. Not all investment services tell you what your tax bill could be because they may make money from your transactions. Betterment also has Smart Deposit, which allows you to automatically invest any funds above a certain balance in your bank account. This is a great time to get started with Betterment and save for your retirement or other financial goals because Duntown listeners can get up to one year of no management fees. Learn how at betterment.com slash capspace. That URL again, betterment.com slash Catspace. I'm really interested to see where you went with the Boston Celtics, Danny. They were the single hardest team for me to grade in the entire Eastern Conference because the big thing that they did right, they did really right. I mean, they got Gordon Hayward and other than a small amount of cap clearing moves, and we'll talk about that move in a second, they didn't have to, you know, they didn't have to do a whole lot of gymnastics, but they still actually got him, you know, the best free agent that changed destinations as a free agent this year, because Chris Paul's whole thing was different. So that was really good. And there were other elements of it that I thought were fine. I really liked Semi Ojale. He, I didn't know him too well from SMU beforehand, thought he looked good in Summer League. Aaron Baines at the room exception, totally fine. But I really didn't like the Markel Fultz trade. I thought that it's Danny Ainge betting on his 
board, but I disagreed with his board, and Fultz was there out in case Isaiah Thomas starts aging or disappointing, and then deciding that the way to clear money was doing the Avery Bradley and a second round pick for Marcus Morris trade, I think that made them a little bit weaker this year, but I think that it just low they in this offseason more broadly, I gave them a C minus because I think they lowered their ceiling in the immediate and then they lowered their ceiling long term. Yeah, I gave them a C minus as well. I'm surprised that we ended up in the same place, but that that was the exact same process that I independently got to as well, where I said, Hey, you know what? Like I don't think that they look as good as you would have hoped this year. Because if you said, All right, they got Gordon Hayward for this year, and then yeah, now they're gonna have to overpay Isaiah Thomas. Uh, they also missed out on Paul George, obviously. And part of that maybe was the Pacers being stupid. Part of it was maybe them not being aggressive enough uh, about it. Um, although certainly the indications were that George had no desire to stay there. They well, also in some ways, Jimmy yeah. Butler was worse because yeah. Paul George, you can say that you did, they didn't want to rental. Maybe the Pacers were asking too much or something like that. Jimmy Butler was a multi-year investment and the Celtics are basically locked in at this point anyway. So yeah, well, Hayward, really my reading of that that is Hayward just didn't want to play with him. that could be that certainly could be yeah. and, 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 I'm not, and I think I would have rather signed Gordon Hayward than traded for Jimmy Butler having to give up sure if, if that were him. the choice if that were the choice I would do the same thing especially I, with I, the security yeah wouldn't it have had to have been I mean, they weren't even reported to be like in the mix for him at all which they were the previous two times that Butler was kind of on the block last draft and then around the trade deadline this year well so, um, so here's the other way yeah. I was going to put it this way and then I forgot about it when we were recording is I care a lot about the opportunities that a team has. So Boston was the number one seed in the Easter Conference. They weren't the best team in the East, but they were the number one seed. They had just about all of their important players on under contract and still had just about max space. And they had the number one pick in the draft. Ending up, you know, slightly negative in the present, slightly negative in the future is something. But doing that with those kind of assets is a very, very different endeavor entirely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's really a lot to unpack here. Why don't we just go through in essentially chronological order and we can talk about all these all right so trading Fultz for the number three pick which became Jason Tatum and that Lakers Kings pick again to restate what that is protected everything but two for five next year so if it falls two through five they get it otherwise they don't and then if they don't get it it goes to the Sacramento Kings 2019 pick which is everything except for top one. It is top one yeah. protected. And as a technical thing, it's actually the better of the Kings pick and the Sixers pick protected oh, yeah. for number one. It's just that the expectation is the Sixers pick will be worse than the Kings pick. So they would rather have the Kings pick. Good. All right. That's good to note. So I agree with you. I think that Fultz still had the most upside of anyone in this draft. I didn't really care for Tatum as much. I mean, that's part and parcel of that as well, drafting him. I just don't think that he has the upside we talked about that i mean i think maybe he could be you know a decent score but i don't see him as the type of athlete who's really going to make a huge difference for you defensively i think he could be a solid player i don't think he's going to suck or anything but i thought there are better choices on the board number one and holding on to Fultz might have been better there um yeah so i would say i generally didn't like that move that much especially now that you consider that the lakers unexpectedly perhaps because they got kcp and then they made that brooke lopez trade shortly after the draft as well they're looking like they'll be better this year than anyone necessarily would have thought 
and then the Kings also added enough talent and that talent is going to be around for a little bit longer in Hill and Randolph they'll still probably be bad but you know I don't think either of those if you had to put a bet on it for me I would say that neither of those picks right now is looking like it'll be a top five pick or and even if it's let's say a round five the difference between the fifth pick and like the second pick is massive sure in in most drafts I mean you can't say specifically you and I haven't spent enough time with 2018 guys to say it but that margin is 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 meaningful and they lost a lot you know they lost a lot of the upside especially by giving away the possibility of getting the number one pick of a true like add-on to this team like why I have been so obsessed with the Kings pick for the Sixers in the past yeah Bradley is definitely a much better player than Marcus Smart they did get Marcus Morris back, but he is pretty redundant with a lot of the guys they have in the wing. You can never have too many wings and combo forwards, I suppose. And they could also be in position maybe to extend him as well, depending on, on how much he wants. But not not known as like the greatest of personality guys. And Bradley was someone who was a difficult matchup for their chief rivals in the East. Toronto with Lowry, Wall, obviously Kyrie Irving, at least at the time. Now Irving may be, be gone. Um, so I definitely think like that aspect made them worse this year. The reason they had to do that was to drop money to me. Do you remember if they had dumped both Yabusele and Zizic? I think they still couldn't quite have gotten to absolute max space, right? I think it would have taken like Yabusele, Zizic, Mickey, Demetrius Jackson, and maybe he would have had to take like 500,000 less, something like that. Which apparently he wasn't willing to do, by the way, which is a a little odd to me. But Gordon Hayward kind of seems like one of these guys who's like really into getting like respect. You know, he needs to have the max, max contract for like, you know, respect reasons and and well and there was that that whole thing that like it did it did stick with him a little bit that he had to go out and get a contract from the hornets something that we had talked about when he when he signed there actually it was the bobcats then yeah ojale i liked baines i think you know he's gonna start at center i think of him as a very below average starting center i would have hoped they could have done slightly better i'm not really sure who you could point to but just at the start of the summer if you're like hey this is who their starting center is going to be with the room exception could hope that maybe someone they could do better than that and I also thought it was a failure to not get another established center I get that Al Horford is going to finish games a lot but just to have someone with a little bit more force and shot blocking they still don't have anyone with any athleticism well yeah the athleticism the is what position. I was going to say it's like you yeah. know they can't really produce that many different looks at center they can at every other spot you know they have a lot of different guys that they can throw out there but center is a good place to have some different guys I think the Spurs are going to miss that too yeah so the roster spots that went with Shane Larkin and Daniel Tice maybe another center could have been useful and I think you know someone like a JaVale McGee I've mentioned for them before I thought could have been some or Willie Reed signed for the minimum you know I think that those guys you could have offered them maybe more playing time too so they could have gotten in on them I mean obviously they get credit for getting Hayward sure I mean, you, you can say yeah that was a no-brainer but they still got the guy he's gonna help them uh but you know they did lose Olenek they lost Jarebko Bradley like those are guys who are good players even Amir Johnson started for them last year so I think finally with all that if you just look at the treasure trove of assets that they had coming into this summer I would view this as a disappointing outcome and that's why I went with a C minus despite the fact that they did get their man in Hayward I can't really say that I liked much else that they did this summer also worth noting so Marcus Morris is going to turn 28 this before the season it's in September his birthday's in September so that means that he'll be turning 30 when he before his first year on his next contract so if he's extended or whatever that's probably post prime marcus morris and they have yeah. 
have yeah. plenty of other forwards. So they might be getting themselves into some traps here. That's how I feel about Isaiah Thomas. Like they're basically committed yeah. now to him. Marcus Smart now has more leverage than he did before. He's still a restricted free agent, so it can dry up for him. We've seen that happen a couple times this offseason. But Isaiah has them straight up over a barrel. And I don't think he's going to age particularly well. And you're now their title contention rests on him because they have no other options at his spot or at his role. Yeah, now he may be limited in terms of his options next year and they could get him on a reasonable price. But nonetheless, yeah, I think, and even if they moved down to three, Dennis Smith would have been my guy there. I don't think they ever seriously considered him there. Uh, let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets. They made really three big transactions here. All of them trades. They made the trade of Lopez for D'Angelo Russell and Mozgov. I thought that that was a pretty decent deal. That gives them well, a let's, guy. Let's add in that they yeah. gave up a late first too. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that, that is a good point. Yeah, they, thanks for, for mentioning that. And that became Kyle Kuzma, by the way. Correct. Russell gives them the best young player that they've had on the roster since Derek Favors back in uh, shortly after the 2010 draft before he got traded to Utah for Darren Williams. And that's good. They needed someone who had some upside. They're starting to get a few intriguing young guys here, but they needed someone who, you know, I don't know that Russell has superstar upside, but maybe he can get there. You know, some of the advanced stats like him more than I have by the eye test. And he's still a young point guard. The Damari Carroll trade I liked for them as well. They took in about 12 million in more money this year and then 15 million next year did pick up a 2018 toronto first round pick which should be you know could be in the late teens early 20s depending on what happens with toronto this season and then and Carroll can actually still play. They didn't really have anybody at the three. So like he's actually, and, and they don't have their draft pick this year. So he actually, well, and one small, help one small add in the second they got is actually pretty good too, because it's the, yeah. I think it's the less favorable of the Lakers and magic seconds this year. That's probably going to be in the, in the 30 range. It could even be better than that. Yeah. So all that was good. That's the plan. We're going to take on bad money. We're going to get some things with upside draft picks, Russell, and then the crab trade happened. My beef with them is it's kind of like the, there's that story that sometimes gets mistold about the the frog and so it's like you know basically that they that you turn up the temperature and then it doesn't it doesn't notice the incremental part until it's too late and what the nets did in the, in this series of moves also in conjunction with the one that i thought was the single best of their value trades was the one they did the trade deadline which does not count in this when they got a first round pick to take on nicholson and and bogdanovich and all that other stuff but they added so much money for collectively a pretty limited return i mean they added about 35 million in space for not this year it's more for the future years that bothered me and their return was a late first and d'angelo russell and alan crab for a couple of years so like i don't think that's enough when you're one of the only teams that has space left to sacrifice it at this early a juncture yeah it was the crab thing that i really thought was a deviation from the plan where he's you know he's what is he like 25 but probably not a guy to me that is even an average starter he is not I think he's overpaid even if you want to say hey he's making effectively 12 million because we had the dead money from Nicholson which was six that we traded away and he's just going to make you a little bit better really and especially in the 2018-19 season the first season they have their pick I really wanted them to be bad that year he doesn't really fit in there and I would much rather just have you know take on a, another bad I would I mean if you had the option of let's take on somebody who's making 12 million a year in just dead money for the next three years and a 
a first and a second or something like that that would be 36 million so that probably would be the price there maybe even two first round picks or would you rather have crab that's such an easy decision for me it also didn't fit in you said it didn't fit in with the other ideas like what i liked about the russell trade even though they did give up and i think it gets underappreciated that they gave up brooke lopez and a first round pick in that and those those are some pretty serious assets but they got it was basically a consolidation trade in one instead of getting a series of kind of small assets they got d'angelo russell talented guy team-friendly contract still has a lot of potential that makes sense if you're gonna kind of bet part of the farm do it on one guy who could be really good especially if it's at a position that is perpetually of need so you can do it in that way yeah and that mods god deal is so bad by the way like it's heinous 48 million in dead money just about and lopez can play so i mean so that's basically like you're not really even getting like you're not you getting anything out of that first year right because you're also giving up lopez uh as well so i thought if they could have made that deal without giving up the first i thought that might have been a little bit fairer especially or gotten with, with some way, sort of other middling like middling thing from the lakers yeah yeah especially with the way things started to go in terms of the cap environment being very restrictive yeah and and so like so that deal in and of itself it's okay and then but just the combination of it they've taken themselves out of being players not only for this year but for next year and for the year after and both of those years make sense you know next year maybe they're taking on bad salary because they're going to be bad or maybe add somebody who is talented but isn't enough to turn you around and so then you kind of have the pieces together to do it you can go either direction but now it's going to be so much harder for them and they're not going to be so good at any point in the intervening time and then the other factor we talked about this a little bit i can't remember what 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 episode that was but d'angelo russell's new new contract assuming he's good enough to get a high value contract that's going to kick in before all this clears out so then that's going to be another big expenditure as well i eventually went with a c plus for them i actually was at a b minus and, and this discussion made me a little bit more negative on things i'm a c minus i think yeah. that if if we were including the bogdanovich nicholson trade it would be around a c plus b minus but since that one doesn't get included and we should mention jared allen jared allen was acquired by the pick you by a pick in that previous trade i thought he's an you know i i liked him as a player we saw him at the hoop summit yeah. he's fine he didn't play in summer league so nothing nothing bad or good there but you know that was a pick that they had already gotten so they only get the credit for making making or not making the right pick i i thought i thought that was an above average pick for 22 i think he's got some ability he's a modern center mobile can block shots finish around the room i, I think he's actually someone who i like a lot better than some of the other guys selected in that range um and i guess like the c plus might even be generous because i guess the reason that i feel that way ultimately is just d'angelo russell gives them some hope at getting a star that they just didn't have and you probably no matter what you did with your salary dumping there's no way you could get i mean you're almost certainly not going to get a top 15 pick anymore uh, in a salary dump and so yeah it was a, a steep price but to get someone with his talent and i'm not high on russell like i, I don't think he's going to work out to be that great but we're going to find out and he's in the the perfect system now they got shooting around him he's got a good developmental coach he's out of the la spotlight a little bit just to me getting someone with that kind of upside was a good job better than you normally are going to do even if it was an exorbitant price to, to take on a, a lot of money in mozgov who was probably the second worst contract maybe in the nba at the time uh so that's why i went c plus but yeah the crab trade killed me i mean if it hadn't been for that i probably would have been like b plus i probably i would have been in the b range too it might have been straight b or something like that but 
Let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets. This might be the most surprising grade for people from me. So I'm just going to start with that and then explain my explain my steps. I gave them a straight A. And the reason why is because I like the idea of constraints and opportunities. Charlotte was capped out. They did not have ways of really getting that much better. They had a lot of money on their books. They didn't have much flexibility moving forward with the big money they have. They had a late lottery pick and they had a lot of players that weren't really on value contracts. You know, maybe they were like, but Bellinelli's was fine. They walked out of it with an upgraded center, not at a position that was really of need for them because last year they got tanked by not having anybody beside Cody Zeller. They got Malik Monk, who I think really helps them out. And Carter Williams is fine. So they were really boxed in and they got about as much better as you could reasonably expect from their opportunities. Yeah, improving your team and getting off of Miles Plumley's contract at the same time is just an absolute, absolute coup. I mean, as much as we hated that deal for the Hawks, you got to like it for the Hornets. I gave them a B in part because all these teams that either didn't do anything or were trying to avoid the tax and made moves as a result of that i'm giving you a little bit of a demerit there for just as an organization not being willing to pay the tax even lightly or if you are an organization that's not willing to pay the tax putting yourself in an organization in a position where you have to avoid the tax like a lot of these teams it was like you know detroit for example was like well okay you know they're gonna have to pay the tax with all these contracts they made and then they didn't actually pay the tax because it's like oh actually we're not that good so we're not going to pay the tax now um but that, that ties that, in I mean, with yeah that ties in yeah, with one ahead. thing that i really didn't like about their offseason and part of the reason why i nearly moved off of a straight a to an a minus was we talked about how them moving up from 41 to 31 was a great part of the dwight howard deal is ridiculous that it happened they then moved down from 31 for cash that was the pelicans moved up and got frank jackson they moved down and the players that were available when they chose dwayne bacon were materially worse than the guys that that were available at 31. You know, Semi Ojale was there. Jonah Bolden was there. Jordan Bell, you know, guys like that. And when the, the Hornets are so capped out that getting a better player on still on a super cheap contract would have been huge for them, especially because they could give that guy a little bit more than the minimum, use part of their mid-level exception that they didn't touch most of and go into, you know, go into that. They, they had enough flexibility to make that sort of a move. And that really bothered me. I think that was a lack of proactivity that teams like the Bulls should have done and the Hornets absolutely should have done it is kind of funny to me that the NBA player most known for being the ultimate competitor who just prized winning above all else is just like never willing to pay the tax <laughs> like you just like we, we've every bit of reporting that's ever come out of there is like Michael Jordan will never ever pay the tax uh anyway enough on that though I think pretty much every move that they made I thought was a good one Monk was the pick there you might say I mean we he didn't play in summer league if anyone's like oh yeah they should have taken Donovan Mitchell no very very few people like it, that's fine to me that kind of analysis is fine if there really were people saying at the time they should have done this that that was a realistic idea but i don't think there are really very many people at all had mitchell above monk monk was considered for most of the year to be a top 10 guy so i think they did well there i think that he provided the, them with some scoring that they desperately need he's just kind of out of mind right now just because he didn't play summer league for us carter williams again they could have used the full taxpayer mle they might i'm not exactly sure where they are on the math they might even be able to go above that or they could have been as well and they did take on a little bit of money by trading for howard but i think that they could have done better than carter williams i think for the money 
he'll he could be okay he still has a little bit of upside although you know the backup point guard could be a major problem they're relying on him to produce and he largely had a pretty terrible season for the bulls last year and hasn't been even passable now in two years so uh, that still could be a major hole that's really going to come back and get them and it is again because of their unwillingness to spend just a little bit more money to to fix that major hole you know i mean i'm not like okay you should just spend as much as you can but especially when you have constraints where you know if they could have gone for like a shelvin mack type of guy uh and maybe even guaranteed a little bit more of his money for next year or they could have gotten in on someone like that who actually really would have been a quality solution there as opposed to well we hope this guy works speaking of major holes the chicago bulls oh god and should we just break out their list of added is just depressing oh i think that's a good way to go through this so i separated into adding added retained and lost they added zach levine who's hurt chris dunn lowry barkanen justin holiday david nawaba retained christiana felicio they lost jimmy butler rajon rondo michael carter williams isaiah cannon and joffrey lavert well at least you you probably had to give them at least an a just for pulling laverne's qualifying offer and letting him <laughs> leave right no no actually them extending it in the first place was worse than them rescinding it uh i think we should also talk about the miritich situation he's not back in the fold casey johnson reporting they're about five million dollars apart on a long-term offer so we'll see what ends up happening there if he takes his qualifying offer which he might and then they lose him as well that would be a further demerit to to lose that asset i went with just a straight up f the only reason it's not an f minus is just because they are at least kind of picking a direction but as they said but man i mean it's just chris dunn is not good he's not a starting point guard getting him then caused them to whiff on dennis smith if they had just picked dennis if they'd done this exact same trade and then just picked dennis smith you know i would have felt so much better about what they did uh but uh, of course they didn't because they had done already marking in i think he'll he could be fine but again not a guy who fits in defensively with the modern game justin holiday was a nice pickup for the money levine would have been great if he hadn't just torn his acl last year they have no threes on the roster at all after losing butler and then the fact that they gave up the number 16 pick in a trade that already would have been a fleecing is just nothing short of pathetic the holiday signing was good i I thought that was nice even though the idea of value there is confusing because they're still going to be just abysmal the next two years and they gave a lot of money to cristiano felicio like they they misread the market not as egregiously as you know the teams did last year but still like his contract looks like an outlier at this point he's young enough to earn it but they they again they misread the market and it's going to take them so long to dig out of this unless we're really wrong on the guys that they got and it's possible but unlikely and it, yeah, it was when you like, make moves that take you from being a playoff team to probably not in the playoffs for the next four seasons like i would say like four and a half years would be my over under before they're back in the playoffs unless they just make some unbelievable free agent signing in 2018 which seems pretty unlikely to me like you get enough like <laughs> and they just do and not remember have... jimmy butler was not an expiring contract this was not a ticking time bomb like paul george yeah if this was the offer that you were getting just keep him yeah try try to i mean 
then you can try to reset in 2019 if the guy leaves but they could if they had just gotten a point guard who could actually shoot the ball they might have actually like been they could have been like the five seed in the east this year or the four seed in the east i mean that's not you know you're not gonna be in championship contention fine but at least you know you're still a decent team like they could win 45 46 games or something like that had to go into the luxury tax or anything it's not like that that would have been some huge yeah. financial expenditure in in any way and it's going to there's going to be so bad that i feel like it's going to be a while until they get quality free agents because while chicago is a city that people want to be in do you want to be on a team this awful you know like they're not one piece away from being a playoff team they're a couple now and one of those or two of those could be internal maybe they fall enough in the draft that they get a good guy but there aren't that many max caliber guys and remember they just changed the structure again to make it more likely that players are going to stay with their current team so they bet on cap space at the wrong time and then something else i wanted to talk about that i kind of wanted to raise their grade for their innovation and cost saving because the choice to stay over the cap but basically not spend any money is very impressive because now they can say oh well we couldn't sign x player because we only have this amount of money to spend because they have this kind of like gap with miritich for now and then they have this gigantic trade exception for jimmy butler which they could use but probably you know like like it's not necessarily the best way to spend money and it's not like their cap like there was some huge cap hold that's going to blow up their books next year so i that frustrated me too so I went for an F. What did you have? F. I, I joked on Twitter that I hoped you were oh, going to give them a, that you were going to give them a G plus, but I don't do fake grades. So F. I, if if except for the F minus minus I gave for the Kings July first trade a couple <laughs> years ago, which still feels right. Um, that other than that, if I gave grades worse than an F, they would have gotten worse than an F. Well, I feel much more positively about this next team. I gave them an F plus. I gave them a D minus. <laughs> I mean, the Cavaliers, okay, so what was good? Derrick Rose, not bad for the minimum. I think he could be a solid option at backup point guard when healthy. Jose Calderon, to me, is just like a total waste. I'd rather just get a developmental third point guard. Chetty Osmond, bringing him over, didn't have to pay him too much. All right, Jeff Green at the minimum, that, that's okay. Uh, they way overpaid for Kyle Korver. Three years, $22 million, a, somewhat of a non-guarantee on that last year, but $7 million a year for him, especially when, again, they have this opportunity cost of being in the tax and the repeater tax in fact and they now can't spend all of their mini mid-level they use some of that on Ashman and then and I apologize someone sent me the proper pronunciation of his last name and I forgot what it is but hopefully we'll get there eventually once we start hearing it more but then I mean think of everything else that just was a total disaster for this team even if they still remain the favorites to make the final Cleveland has one basic goal for the immediate and the and there are sub goals but the main goal is to get better against the Golden State Warriors or theoretically if another team makes it out of the Western Conference. They did not do that. Derrick Rose is a solid regular season player, but his deficiencies will be exacerbated just like Darren Williams were in in the NBA Finals. Kyle Korver had trouble in that series. Jeff Green will have some trouble in that series. Jose Calderon is unplayable. Chetty is unplayable. And they didn't, so they didn't add anything that really raised their ceiling as a playoff team. And yes, they had 
had limited means. I understand that. I respect that. But they didn't do anything with them other than get guys that were good like three and four years ago who don't make sense against the team you're going to face in the finals. Well, and of course, if this were if it were just a question of the signings that were made, the players, you know, they'd probably be in like a D type of range for me. What gives them the F plus is the whole thing. Number one with David Griffin, which was just oh, I didn't even consider m- that. I, I would I, I if I was oh, how could that you in, not consider that? Yeah, I think I'm going to move to an F plus. I hadn't considered the Griffin thing at all. You're right. That totally yeah, counts. Well, and, That's off season. What effect? What if? And then because of that, because he wasn't there, was that why they lost out on Paul George? You know, is that why they Kyrie Irving could he that whole thing have been smoothed over? Maybe even just if Griffin were still there, Kyrie Irving could have actually had you know a fucking exit meeting, and they could have found out that he had these trade requests around the draft or the beginning of free agency when he could actually get something for him, and you don't have to now wait until December fifteenth for all these guys to, to be traded. It's really just like losing out on Griffin is just a massive, massive screw up. And Kobe Altman comes with a good reputation. They also lost uh Trent Redden, I think, the number two guy as well, because of the this David Griffin thing. I mean, that was just Gilbert cheaping out too. You know, I mean, that's really all it was. Uh I mean, he didn't cheap out in terms of actually paying the tax. You have to give him credit for that. But you know, hey, if you want to just like not sign Kyle Corver for uh you know, sign him for five million instead of seven million, I'd much rather do that and then have David Griffin still, um, or you know, not sign another one of these minimum guys or whatever, like play go with 14 players on the roster. All that just, I mean, so much organizational turmoil, so much drama. Maybe they can salvage this if they get a good return for Irving. That certainly does not seem to be very likely at this point because they would have made the move already if they really had an option that they're happy with. I still think it's possible for them to maybe salvage this by getting better this year, trading Irving, even if you've maybe lost your franchise cornerstone. I still I think they also should have they did try to do it for Paul George but I think they also could have investigated trading Kevin Love for some more athletic guys as well Love at 28 with two years left on his deal a guy who I think his value could drop off at any time and has had some knee problems like I might would have really explored that and just uh, all of it was is just whether it was with Griffin the signings just a complete failure in the face of this Golden State Warriors juggernaut and didn't react to them they just basically have like turtled since then essentially yeah i mean that was the same criticism i had last summer when they paid a lot of money they used some of their mid-level exception to re-sign richard jefferson instead of just giving him the minimum and was you know that they they didn't compete as much to to try to beat the warriors same thing here ready to move on to the pistons yeah you know i feel much more positively about them i gave them a d minus i gave them a straight d And so it, I mean, the Pistons, uh, it's amazing the sequence of this because in many other years, I think that the, the sheer kind of slapdashery of what they did would have been more frustrating like it was at the time. You know, when they paid Langston Galway more money than the taxpayer mid-level exception, then they renounced KCP and then they ended up getting Avery Bradley yeah, for Marcus pulled, Morris. Pulled his qualifying offer. Yeah, it was just like. Well, they I believe they really... straight renounced him too anyway yeah well they would have had no reason to do that yeah so but but like but yeah i mean why even after you made the bradley trade i mean what there's no reason to just like let kcp go i guess you just you're tired of rich paul complaining to you or something if, if you're van gundy but and i think really like losing kcp that and now you also lost marcus morris as well like avery bradley over kcp might be a slight upgrade but hey guess what you only got him for one year he's older than kcp and then you're either gonna have to pay him as much or more as you would 
have had to pay KCP if you just like stepped up and, and paid him, or you're going to lose him, which is probably the even more likely scenario, especially when you consider that a team like Philly is going to have all kinds of space and he's an unbelievable fit. Yeah, and in he can Philly. leave of his own volition. That's the the, right. the difference. We this season was the greatest modern representation of the difference between unrestricted free agency and restricted free agency, and they traded a younger restricted free agent for an older unrestricted free agent. Well, and frankly, like they just screwed up by not offering KCP enough money. Like they're offering him reports indicated five years, 80 million. Like I've said this, I would have turned that down if I were Rich Paul as well. And you know, who knows what the number would have been. Maybe Rich Paul was like max or nothing bitches, but if maybe two or 3 million a year more, like could have gotten that done. And then they would still have him. And now, and then they had to give up Morris who's still on a, a very solid contract. He's got two more years, right? Yeah. No, I think he only, yeah, he's Wait. got two more years, right? Two more years. Yeah. And so now they have problems at power forward, or, or I'm sorry, at small forward or power forward, whichever one Tobias Harris isn't going to be playing because they're going to start John Lurie. He's not really an adequate starter, in my opinion. And they're really relying on Stanley Johnson to take a step forward now. Also, in the draft, Luke Kennard looked good, as good as you could have expected him to. But I think most people probably would have said that Donovan Mitchell was a better better prospect at 12 and Mitchell looked amazing and he you certainly could have felt a lot better about you know Donovan Mitchell can kind of be like a new KCP maybe um let's see uh what else happened Langston Galway I mean it's not a horrendous oh, awful, contract yeah. but it's bad I think it's a horrendous contract like who else was gonna pay him that like he he was like out of the rotation in Sacramento and like kind of out of the rotation in New Orleans last year yeah I, I guess I I think he's he's all right Three like years, maybe 21 was, million yeah like I was thinking of him more as a room exception like maybe guy. one year seven million would have made some sense like all right is he better than like shelvin mac i don't think so no and mac and mac fills a specific role that is important and langston galway had also been replaced before he was signed because they got luke Kennard. and Kennard's fine you know he's, he's well and, and galloway can't play next to avery bradley because he doesn't really dribble and you've now you've got bradley and galloway and ish smith and reggie jackson like you don't need all those and they brought in Kennard. they still got stanley johnson as well so it's like they didn't even really need Galloway it's just and then that's really and that tied up some stuff yeah and also they're one of the worst teams recently that went so heavily for win now you know like the idea that they because they use the biannual exception I believe on Anthony Tolliver they signed Eric Morrill like all this kind of stuff was more in the immediate it's kind of like who knows how long we're going to be here and yet they're still going to be fighting for the eight seed yeah they they are going to be probably a playoff team this year just because you had three teams in Atlanta Atlanta, Chicago, and Indiana, who are likely to be out of playoff contention now. Well, yeah, I, I have yeah, them as the ninth Tolliver best. I have them as the ninth best team in the East, but I still think they have a better than fifty percent chance of making the playoffs, just because everyone has lower, almost right. everyone has lower than a hundred. So it's kind of like they gobble up the rest of the percentages. All right. Well, I can't say I feel as positively about this next team as I do about Detroit. Gave the Pacers an F. I gave them a D minus, but now I'm thinking I should have given them an F plus. The reason I gave them a D minus is because at least I, I, it's the same criticism as the Hawks. Like why did, after the whole Paul George disaster, why, like the, the fact that they got Bojan Bogdanovic and Darren Collison on reasonable contracts paralleling what the Kings did last year, you know, like I didn't agree with the, with the decision, but at least they didn't screw it up long term. But of course they already spent 20 million a year on Victor Oladipo. So they kind of already screwed that 
pooch anyway. Yeah, and that's my biggest... Well, number one, the Paul George trade was absolutely horrendous. They took on worse money for longer. They got two guys who don't have superstar potential or even star potential. They didn't get a single draft pick going forward. Oladipo is probably a, a mediocre to bad contract, depending on how he plays. And, and, and remember, the, the OKC gave up a draft pick for Jeremy Grant. <laughs> Like, it's not like they're notoriously tight-fisted with their draft picks. Yeah, I mean, they they were out of some picks. But, I mean, number one, the fact that we know that they had a better offer from this Denver offer that would have been involved Kevin Love, they could have got back Gary Harris and probably a pick so superior to what they ended up with, number one. So that, that would have been better. Or just, how about you don't trade them at all? Or how about you actually, like, just wait three days and see whether Boston gets Gordon Hayward and then is willing to make the trade? Like, I, I think what happened was Boston was like hey you know we can't do anything quite yet because we got to see whether we get Hayward and once we get him in the fold then we can give you a better offer or renew our previous offer which probably would have been better than any of the offers that were out for there for them right when they decided they had to do the trade I mean I don't know what it was about like June 30th that they had to do the trade right then like that OKC offer wasn't going anywhere they weren't going to do anything uh, between now and then like so, oh, so it really, I, ha- I had a question for you yeah I put this as a, as a kind of a question to myself in my analysis did the pacers get back collectively negative value or positive value from the paul george trade i mean i guess it's positive i mean maybe oladipo is like an average shooting guard but you know not on a great contract as we noted 21 million a year for the next four years and then sabonis you know he's at least a chance of maybe being a below average starting power forward that's kind of how i view him but he certainly isn't better than just having one year of paul george and having another nice playoff season and maybe he makes all nba and you can keep him or like the chance of doing that or just even like even having one year where you're not bad like just hold on to the guy if that if that that really is the best offer but they think that Oladipo and Sabonis are good and they're wrong about that and and getting arguably f- like the best argument is that it's at this point it's faint positive value like they could have traded him at the deadline and gotten faint positive value that's not a hard thing to get you know if you're yeah. if you're betting on something else you you can do it but like if the offer it's 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 a parallel to the gym to the Jimmy Bower thing if the offers suck wait for a better offer because the it's not you're nobody has a gun to your head to force you to trade these guys and the other stuff the reason I ended up with a D minus also, I, I mentioned that Bogdanovich and Collison, you know, their contracts were reasonable. Getting Corey Joseph for nothing effectively, because originally it was reported that it was a sign in trade with CJ Miles, but then the the Nuggets, or not the Nuggets, the Raptors ended up just signing Miles with their mid level exception. So they got Corey Joseph for nothing, which is amazing because Corey Joseph's a positive value, good contract, player option for next year. But then the other reason why that was bad was I don't think much of TJ Leaf. And then Ike on a Bogu, they got in the second round that's a reasonable value but there are reasons why he fell and those are concerning yeah some injury issues but it's a guy who probably had a first round grade just based on talent so yeah i thought they did well there with the the joseph thing but this is also another team that just has no idea what it's doing right now like they needed to bite the bullet in more similar fashion to the hawks or maybe kind of the bulls although neither of these teams really did very well in terms of evaluating the talent but to instead all right we're going to sign darren collison okay i mean i guess like maybe he's tradable he could could be an asset but then and if you want to waive monte ellis i'm good with that too like they had to waive him before you could take that player option which would have been the end of the season anyway but don't stretch it 
like you're not going anywhere this year like why would you impact your future money and even at this point right now with that space and here's the thing right right they still have they're still five million dollars under the cap even now so i mean they did save what i guess it was maybe about nine million or so but because they were able to stretch him over five years because of that player option that was actually kind of meaningless in terms of his ability to exercise it before he got waived but i really don't see the point here and we talked about oh maybe if things go incredibly well that they could possibly sniff the playoffs we we talked about that in our patreon mailbag by the way which you can get by subscribing patreon.com slash duncan larue about which of those east teams that seems like pretty clearly out of it might have the best chance and maybe it's them but i don't think that's a good chance and they're just they're treading water like they need to get a draft pick and there's this whole we can't tank in this market like indiana has never tanked well i mean again like ask sixers fans whether they would have rather the team tanked or not like the sixers have like sold out their season tickets because they actually now have young players who are interesting and you know if you're selling wins or selling hope i don't think they're they're not selling hope right now and they're not selling wins either miami but the joseph thing was enough to get him up to an f instead of an f my like the george trade that was like a g plus like that was yeah it was it was terrible and it wasn't it's amazing that it wasn't even the worst trade of the offseason just because the jimmy butler trade was so awful but we can move on to miami yeah you that's a good question of whether george was worse or butler was worse i was worse i think george was worse but go on okay so miami they added kelly olenic bam Adebayo with their with their late lottery pick and aj hammonds in that trade so they traded josh mcroberts a second round pick in like 2023 and a bunch of cash for AJ Hammonds, who has a multi-year guaranteed contract. And I think he's not good. You think he's a little bit better than not good. Wait, no, 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 that's not true. I think he, I think he's worse than not good. Oh, okay. I, I said he's dead. I said, I, I've said repeatedly that I look at him as just completely dead salary. Oh, okay. So then we're in the same point. I was being charitable, but yeah. we agree. Yeah, he, yeah. Okay. And then they, so the definitive part of their off season was that they went after Gordon Hayward. They were in the, the only three. It wasn't really a final three and they didn't get him. And then what they decided to do was clear McRoberts and then re-sign Dion Waiters and James Johnson two significant contracts and then kelly olenic as well yeah they also drafted bam which i can't remember whether you said that or not as well at 14 he looks like he can be a player so that that was a, a solid pick he was one of the guys that i like going in not going to put it all on whether i like the guy or not but then he also looked good in summer league as well fits in better in the modern game yeah the waiters contracts the james johnson contract both of those especially johnson looking pretty ugly for johnson the numbers on that He's at basically 14 million a year and has a player option on the fourth year. I'm sorry, yeah, 15 million a year. He has a player option on that last year for 17 million in uh, when he'll be 33. I'm guessing he probably picks that up. And Kelly Olynyk also four years, 50 million. He got a player option on the last year of his deal as well. He's 25. Waiters did not get a player option. He's basically 12 million a year for the next few years. They did a nice job with unlikely bonuses using a neat little trick to fit in Olenek, re-sign all their guys, and also not have to waive Wayne Ellington, who uh, had 6 million non-guaranteed. So I thought they did well there. That's why I eventually gave them a C plus to be able to retain all those guys and add Olenek is something that maybe we didn't think was possible. And also 
the opportunity cost is not that high. I think giving that fourth year to James Johnson is really the only thing that I'm like really worried about. Waiters, it might be an overpay. He definitely relied a lot on maybe some unsustainable shooting on contested jumpers last year. But given where they were, they had to wait out Hayward. That was four days. So some of the other guys they might have gotten in the mix for, like maybe Danilo Gallinari had already signed elsewhere. And so I think they're going to be better this year. I think they'll be a team that looks like firmly in the middle of the east playoff picture and while they don't have the upside anymore i don't really know what alternatives they had and so to at least like get better for next year and yeah they're locking into maybe some bad money but the, all that adds up to a c plus for me i gave them a c minus i had bounced between all of the grades in the c line for this i like the bam pick i think that was a, a nice job by them well so can i ask you this though if it's c minus like what could they have done differently i think they just gave too much in terms of of years and options overall because the other compound factor here especially when you when you're doing the dance with unlikely bonuses is they have a much bigger challenge now re-signing josh richardson because remember tyler johnson's contract is jumping up josh richardson is going to get whatever raise he gets it's going to be substantial because he's making the minimum this year and they need everybody to get better now and also with kelly olenic i think he's a talented basketball player but they have a starting center and they have a backup center so they're really seeing a Linux at the four, and I liked a lot of their smaller, switchier lineups better. So while I think I think they got decent value with him, I just don't think he makes their specific team that much better at full strength. You know, you can say, oh, you. I think he'll the- be the backup center this year, though. He and Whiteside be, but, doesn't play that many minutes. Yeah, I, I, I hope that they'll make it work. But if I'm to me, just you don't see teams use a guy. I think Olenek's going to start at the four. I, you don't see many teams yeah. that can actually success, successfully do the double of having their starting power forward be their backup center. Like you see this with Derek Favors all the time. You know, it's just not really the way this works. The Jazz did it sometimes, and sometimes it worked, and I like it in theory. But they like units and the idea of rhythm and all those sorts of things. So it's a, it's a double that most coaches don't pull off. So I'm a little bit skeptical about that. And I think Bam right now, my guess is that he'd be ready to take that over a year from now. And so then at that point, I don't think that Whiteside's contract is super movable. I don't think Bam's going to be a starter either at this point so early. So they're just a little bit trapped and I understand why, but yeah, they were always going to be trapped with Tyler Johnson though. I don't think that that's necessarily, and and, and, I mean, remember this too, you're just saying in terms of like whether the contracts they signed are tradable yeah, because and, I mean and, they were going to use all their cap space they were going to use all their cap space was, but also yeah. like the thing that they're good but they're not you know amazing sure. like this team and some of that I, I do give them credit for the fact that they didn't really have many other options but they have also done a really nice job we talk about this with the Spurs sometimes they've done a nice job of cultivating talent and this is one of the few times that they actually paid the guys they cultivated and it might just be Pat Riley saying this is my team. I like these guys. I want to do it. We tried something else and didn't have it happen. And if part of what makes you special is that you can make the next James Johnson, then don't give a 30 year old 40 years. Yeah, I think really that fourth year for him, even like the third year is probably not going to be good, frankly, especially because he's never really had a single NBA season where he was any good until last year. Granted, that was partially because of their system and hopefully that's repeatable. But I think and maybe what happened was to get Johnson to wait and not sign elsewhere while the Hayward drama was playing out. They had to say, hey, if he doesn't sign here, we're going to like 
you know, this is the range that we're talking about. Um, Have those ever worked out? Like, I'm trying to think. So West Matthews, well, West Matthews is okay. But, you know, like those sorts of, like, it seems like that might have happened with Pau Gasol. That contract did not work out well. The It's kind of like the the paying a guy to wait thing. Well, but we don't know the times that it didn't work out or that it did work out because then they just, they got the guy and then the person ended up taking less, right? Like you never know that there is an agreement for them to get more if they just end up taking less. So there's going to be some selection bias there. But I think really, I probably would have just said, hey, you know what, James Johnson, we're only giving you three years. We're holding firm on that. And if you're going to leave, you're going to leave, I guess. But, and, you know, we'll just roll with Justice Winslow as a small ball power forward and O'Carroll White when we need him a little bit. And, and, uh, but other than that, that's really the only thing I think you can quibble with. That's how I ended up with a C plus. Like they got better and they didn't get their guy in Hayward, but that wasn't really within their control. And this was a team that was never going to have cap space, at least for the next three seasons after this one, after the Tyler Johnson thing. And so really the only thing that they sacrificed in terms of opportunity costs was maybe some room in 2021. And they still don't have much on the books for that year, obviously, because it's uh, it's four years away now. Let's uh, move on to uh, Milwaukee. I gave the Bucks a C. My short summary was they did almost nothing and every single move was meh. You know, like DJ Wilson, fine pick. Sterling Brown, fine pick. Tony Snow, reasonable contract. It's all, it's all, it's it's just there. Yeah, they didn't sign a single player. I mean, and and that's because of the tax, right? But so I'm going to, I'm going to give them a demerit for that. They made all these moves before it's, and, and don't forget, they actually cut salary, right? By trading away Miles Plumley. And so if you had made all these moves before, it didn't take like a fucking genius and when they made those moves they didn't even know that Giannis was going to take a discount either like he they might have had to think of him as at the max this year he's actually as it turned out is ended up about three million below the max and they probably also thought that Greg Monroe was going to opt out that might have been part of their planning as well and then then when he opted in it was like all right well, well shit we have no money but still I mean to just not sign anybody because and this is not a team they need another score on this team especially with Jabari Parker out to just not sign anybody because of the tax i mean that that to me i ended up giving them a d but n- not a ton to say here i think you know the snell contract i totally agree with you was fine wilson uh you know wasn't one of the guys that i thought was awesome but i think he's got some potential i understand the theory of him unlike some other guys like tj leaf who were drafted right around that range so yeah i mean i think the the and you know maybe they could have tried to move spencer hawes or stretched him or something to get a, a little bit more space because it's not like they're gonna have cap space anytime soon anyway so you may to just like i mean they didn't they could have used the taxpayer mid-level to actually like get someone who's going to help them this year even on a one-year deal and uh they didn't you know and this is not a team that's like oh man we got no uh we got no holes on this squad let's talk about the knicks well you know i can't say i feel too positively about them uh this is gonna be another f i'm afraid Oh man, unbelievable. It, like so yeah, many go ahead, different please. components that were bad. So if you want to go with the with you brought it up with Cleveland and I adjusted my grade with that. With in this case, I did think about it. That the, giving Phil Jackson an extra $24 million and then like cutting him loose in the same basically two month span is awe inspiring. You know, like that that's yeah. not the biggest thing that happened, but it led to a lot of the bad parts was basically saying he's our guy and then seeing Phil still be Phil and then 
then waiting and then going, wait, no, no, he's not, was just just total shit show, just like the Knicks always are. I mean, yeah, let's just, we could just start with the front office. I mean, they should get an F just based on that because Jackson obviously wasn't doing a good job. They decided to then guarantee his contract. And then Phil Jackson was still part of the team during the offseason. So his dumbass actions still count for part of this grade. He's like alienating Porzingis by like publicly trying to trade him, gives an interview in which they admit that they're doing that. Porzingis was already alienated. They fired Porzingis's favorite coach, Josh Longstaff. They insisted on the triangle. Phil Jackson, who would be fired less than a week later, caused them to pass on Dennis Smith and take Nilakina because he was a better fit for the triangle. And Phil Jackson has this huge fetish for big guards because ron harper and michael jordan were pretty good back in 1996 and the pistons had small guards so he wanted big guards and he's always wanted big guards since then he doesn't feel like he needs a pick and roll point guard and then of course jackson was fired and then they had a chance hey lo and behold some other team was dumb enough to let one of the best gms get onto the market maybe we can salvage this thing we can get him he really wants to work here oh but wait no we wouldn't offer you president of basketball operations we're gonna offer you the gm job oh so but you could be under steve mills who you know but that's understandable steve mills has accomplished so much more as an nba executive than david griffin is so clearly david griffin should feel happy that he has to work for steve mills and then they also wouldn't allow griffin to actually bring bring in some of his own people which any other gm candidate with any kind of leverage would want to be able to do again i mean i mean i I know people in that organization i like them i respect them but on the other hand one other thing i want to add in any gm would do that and any person who wanted to take over a situation as toxic as the knicks would want to do that's what i was getting to yeah there there are two different parts of this that are both heinous and it's that any gm would do that and anyone taking over the knicks should want to do that yeah and as i was saying like i know people who work in that organization they're quality people they experience a lot of frustration because of this stuff but i think it's unfair for anyone to be a sacred cow when you have the record that they've had over the last 17 years or so now let's get to the personnel decisions well you already talked about nilkina over dennis smith and that's bad you know even though nilkina could be intriguing in certain systems i think he's more of an of a two guard actually than a one then they also used all of their cap space to give a horrendous offer sheet to Tim Hardaway Jr., a player who does not provide any of the like key boxes that you want a really good player to check, but they're paying him on that kind of a contract. They also are paying him too much money per year and gave him a player option. So even if he beats our expectations he then gets out after three years then they lost derrick rose lost justin holiday and used all of their room ex- or all of their room exception to retain ron baker who up until they signed Ron sessions looked and he still might be the opening day starting point guard and isn't good yeah and baker reports indicated that he had a player option for next year am i remembering that right as well i mean to, but yeah to, either way to get all of his all of the room exception and that apparently was agreed on like the moment free agency began if his tweets are are any indication and they were just like desperately i mean we talked about that extensively just like how asinine it was to waste the room mid-level especially in this market where they could have gotten somebody pretty good and they had plenty of playing time to offer as well and they brought in ramon sessions who's coming off a knee surgery and wasn't good last year before that he'll compete at the one with nilakina and baker one of the worst point guard situations in the league if not the worst point guard situation in the league they have zero really competent three men on the roster at this point since Mello and Lance Thomas are really fours. And at least they waived Marshall Plumley. You can be happy about that, Danny. They still paid him 100K. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. He had that guaranteed. And then just to retain Steve Mills as president of basketball operation, they did bring in Scott Perry, a guy who had a good reputation. More people think more highly of his record than I do. I mean, if you just look at where he's been in Orlando, and then I think he was in Detroit for a time before that during some pretty ugly periods. How much of that you don't know, but I don't. Well, and and then, then he was involved in this Kings offseason, which a lot of people right. think more highly of than we did because they yes. went for names and and sacrificed a lot of their value in cap space yeah and of course perry not able to bring in anyone else either he's just going to fit right in to this existing organization already we can also talk about how they have still made a mess of the carmelo situation he is uninterested in returning for them has had no contact with the knicks porzingis has had no contact i think still other than just a text message maybe here or there and carmelo i think you know it's not going to get easier to trade him probably and i think if they can get off of his money they should do so now i'm not sure what the offers are that they're getting at but if they really expect to like get something good in exchange for him you know you're probably that's probably not realistic at this point and i think they need to move him just to improve their draft back and really go for a youth movement really give the team over to porzingis and maybe nilakina to whatever extent he can handle it so I don't know. I, I I don't trust them to have done a great job. It sounded like I still anticipate that's going to end up just being a buyout because if they really want assets back for him and maybe they could get assets back and take on a bad contract, but I don't think they want to do that either because their precious cap space, they won't be able to offer the next Tim Hardaway $71 million next summer. Anyway, as I said, F. F. Orlando Magic had a, not only a much better offseason than last year, but a much better offseason than basically any of the teams we've talked about recently. They had a pretty wholesale change, but I want to start with a basic question. Actually, it's two, I guess. Does this team make sense and could it have made sense? Not really and not really. I think they were just pretty constrained. They went into the summer with about 15 million in cap space i thought that given their constraints they did well shelvin mack giving them a backup point guard option six million this year non-guaranteed six million next year john simmons three years 18 million third year non-guaranteed that's an excellent deal for the 27 year old giving them some defense and intensity on the wing uh i thought most spates uh, getting a, a center who shoots threes can open the floor up for some of these other guys although him going back to his roots in florida i'm not sure how great i feel about him being in that environment as opposed to golden state or the clippers where he's been more successful lately kem birch uh, who they signed out of europe uh, is someone who i like i think he's on, is he on a two-way i actually think he's on a one-year contract with them oh like okay. a partial well, either guarantee. way let me I, let me put I mean, yeah either can, way yeah they can always convert his two-way into a, a minimum but he's a guy who i thought had some ability back in summer league years ago and can switch get up for some alley-oops skinny but that's not the end of the world anymore aaron aflalo for the minimum all right fine and it doesn't make a lot of sense but it's the minimum you're okay there wesley Awundu, not a guy i liked particularly on what little i knew of him and then he had a disastrous summer league but john isaac i thought was I still probably would have gone Smith there. They, of course, still have Alfred Payton. Maybe they just didn't believe in Smith, whatever it is. I thought John Isaac was solid value. I liked him better than the three guys who went before him. So I thought that they did well to get him. 
And then they did make that trade. They traded the number 25 pick that they got for Serge Ibaka for that weird top 20 protected OKC first in 2020. And OKC actually, you know, there's some possibility that 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 may not go. I think a pretty good possibility that won't go three years from now if Westbrook and George aren't around anymore. And then I think it converts into like either one or two seconds and they got another second. So, you know, that trade was basically math for me. I guess they didn't really like anyone available at that point. So with all that, uh, I ended up giving them a b minus they didn't screw anything up they got a couple of pretty decent value contracts didn't have a ton of resources and and that's fine i thought they did reasonably well i gave them a b basically the same rationale and isaac over smith could haunt them a little bit especially considering it sounds like the 2018 draft is not strong on point guards so if alfred payton is not the answer they don't really have that many other options because they don't have much cap space if they re-sign aaron gordon which i think everybody expects them to whether it's an extension or just as a free agent next year so that could hurt but isaac one other thing we should talk about too uh they brought in they they fired oh yeah the front office stuff yeah they brought in Jeff Weltman to be PBO. He's well respected. They brought in John Hammond, who has had some good moments as a talent evaluator, some less good moments with the Bucks recently. Um, oh yeah, that's another reason why the Bucks get a D. By the way, is like the way they totally screwed up the GM search. Um, yeah, you're ended right. Up with you're right. Guy. I should mo- I should move them down at least to a C minus, maybe to a D plus. Yeah, actually, I mean, we should we should probably really sometimes because it's not like on the list. So you go through because we're when we're preparing this, we go through. All right, here's the list of every transaction. Like sometimes you just yeah, forget I changed, about that. Yeah. Did we did we miss anyone else on that? I don't think so. Maybe we did in the West, but that's yeah. The, done the Pacers, the Pacers, actually, I think you could say, uh, <laughs> given how Kevin Pritchard has done so far at with Larry Bird leaving, they may have missed an opportunity to uh, to upgrade there that's a, that's certainly possible they did bring in chad buchanan from the hornets not a guy i know a, a ton about and, and i think he came in after the george trade but anyway yeah so so back to orlando you know weltman i think they've done an okay job they probably got saved by joe ingles not wanting to take their money on a crazy offer sheet and so that's Still sticking with a B minus, but definitely had to talk about that. Let's get to Philly here. Philly had a, a had an eventful summer. Two big trades. We already talked a little bit about the Markel Fultz one, number three, and that per one to like two to five potential pick from the Lakers, or maybe it'll go to the it'd be the one from the Sixers or the Kings the next year for Markel Fultz, who was a wonderful fit for what they're trying to do. Then they also got the European big man whose name I'm not going to pronounce because he's not going to be an NBA player this year, so I'm not going to learn it yet. Anzec Pachniks, I think. There we go. I think, I think. I'm not sure. So A Lithuanian follower, I can't remember, I think Latvian follower sent me like an audio recording of his name and that's the best I can remember. So when he gets in the NBA, I promise I'll learn it. That pronunciation thing that that i have saved on my thing would be useful but i forgot to look at it before this and and that was for it's not a fake first rounder like the new orleans noel one but it's kind of close to that where because it's only protected for one year and then converts to second rounders whenever it's eligible so it's not even like it goes into anything else it's just kind of if it falls in that range that one year you get it but then yeah, the other and moves you get they the made, time value of it being three years earlier than whenever the, when that pick is going to convey as well true and so the other moves they made they signed J.J. Redick and Amir Johnson to lucrative one-year contracts, and then they drafted Jonah Bolden. He's going to be stashed for this coming season, and they didn't lose anything really of note. Sean Long was on a non-guarantee. He got dumped in the Chris Paul Derby. Then Tiago Splitter, Sergio Rodriguez, Gerald Henderson all got cut loose, and... 
Yeah, and by the way, on Henderson, it was reported oh, today yeah. by Chris Haynes that he is going to have likely season-ending hip surgery. This will be his third surgery on his hip. That's a chronic condition. I feel badly for him because he really could have cashed in just with the way he played in 2015-16 in that summer of 2016 if they hadn't had those issues. And obviously, the teams that didn't offer him a lot of money were right to do so because that has continued to be an issue. He couldn't play that many minutes. And then uh, I was like, hey, you know, why are, why are they declining uh, or uh, waiving him when he's only nine million next year, and that obviously appeared to be the reason. And now you know, he's a guy I thought could have helped some teams. So too bad for him. I think he's a good underrated player, especially it was kind of in line with where the league was going. And uh, I hope he can resume his career though, as he nears age thirty. That seems uh, uh, unlikely. But back to uh, the Sixers. I mean, let's talk about the Fultz trade. You were high on that for them. I was, and I am, because he fills a lot of needs that they had in the point guard spot, which are sometimes hard to get because he can play on ball but he can also do well off ball and I think he meshes well in a lot of different elements with what they want to do he's a little bit bigger than most point guards which means they can slide him off ball depending on who they get to fill that two guard spot and the cost for them was you know the three at at number three there wasn't really anybody who made much sense with their future you know like Dennis Smith Dennis Smith is probably Dennis Smith or De'Aaron Fox those those are more traditional point guards they don't fit particularly well Ben Simmons and the forwards the fact that those guys i mean smith showed some shooting in summer league but generally was kind of known as not the greatest shooter and then fox you know a total non-shooter from three wasn't a good fit either so i mean i think i think smith would have been a, a decent choice there but fultz also having some more size as well so they can just play bigger i mean i thought they did very well there to get the guy who had the most superstar potential in this draft and yes they gave up what could end up being a good pick there we don't know how good it's going to be but you take those rolls of the dice for a truly special player with a high ceiling and Markel Fultz is that guy I mean I thought he was the best guy in this draft didn't really have any hesitation on it and if you can do that especially when the guys around three don't look as good for you and the cost is probably a solid lottery pick you do it yeah and I mentioned as well that it looks like the the uh the Lakings pick as maybe we can start calling it is looking like it'll be in the aggregate a little bit lower uh because those teams have improved maybe more than would have been thought at the time the trade was made well and also wait something else I want to note on that both of those teams also have no incentive to tank because while the pick is protected next year it is not protected for the lakers perspective they're not playing they're not doing that so that both of those circumstances those teams aren't gonna take their foot off the asphalt they might do like kind of what some teams have done where they just at the end of the year they're focusing on their young guys or things like that but i don't think the lakers this year i think they're just gonna go through the finish line because they're gonna be trying to sell themselves on free agents bolden whom you mentioned briefly we really liked in summer league i liked him coming into the draft i think he's an nba athlete i think he can be a player at some point he'll be stashed in europe this season reddick to keep the cap space open was good they still have about 15 million to renegotiate and extend robert covington but i would have liked them to retain even more of that and pay him more this year and have him be cheaper in the years to come and part of what they spent that extra money on was amir johnson one year 11 million and that was a deal that made absolutely no sense to me reminiscent of some of the problems with the king's approach where like it's fine to bring in a veteran but why are you paying him that much money especially when you have so many other big men on roster he's he's 
he's a five million dollar a year player in this market if you are lucky but at the same point with the i think it's a 40 percent drop that has to be in covington's contract i'm not sure how much further they could have pushed it i don't know we'll have to i, I kind of want to wait and see how that works yeah it doesn't have to be a 40 percent drop. Just that's the be. most that you can drop. right and yeah, in their just, circumstance just to make it clear i know yeah, you know that, yeah you're but. right in their circumstance you want to do that because why i ended up giving them a straight a even though i didn't love everything they did was the varkel faults thing is big but also because they retained a significant amount of space for next year and while i love kcp the openness that they ended up going for is is truly fascinating because they're going to have a lot of options so essentially what they did with that is instead of getting contavious caldwell pope on what probably would have been a, a reasonable contract based on what you think i think kcp would have been a great fit next to Fultz and what they're trying to do but now they have a lot more upside theoretically with that like i don't expect yeah. them to get paul george i don't expect them to get lebron james but they're in the mix for that theoretically like you know it's a, it's a possibility even if it's like a 1% chance. And I understand wanting to keep that chance alive, especially if they blow through expectations this year. You know, if they're if if Embiid stays healthy, they could be a, a very strong team in the East, partially because the bottom of the East playoff picture is just bad, and partially because at their best, they're going to be quite good. So why not? I, I understand making that bet. And you know what? If KCP has a good year with the Lakers, they could probably just get KCP. Yeah, that's true. Avery Bradley, another guy who would be a very solid fit there who will be a free agent it's just i i would have tried to go get him but i i think you make it and i said that at the time but i think you make a good point that it, it probably worked out better this way and they would at that point they had already signed johnson so they would have had to really like do something crazy to open up more space renegotiating sending covington yeah that would have been God, like a mega blatch like because andre blatch got amnestied before his extension kicked in getting stretched before you play your first game on your contract would be something even better than that the raptors i went with a c minus for them this is another one of these teams teams that suffered with this idea that they had to get out of the tax uh, although they at least were able to do something in terms of signing cj miles by reducing salary enough that the apron wouldn't be an issue for them because obviously if you use your full mid-level or you get someone in a sign-in trade you are hard capped at the apron which is six million above the tax line 125 million but nonetheless they didn't really make apparently a credible offer to patrick patterson because he signed for only five million a year in okc i think i probably would have rather had patterson on the same contract that miles got would you say that well after they decided to move damari carroll and let pj tucker go or whether pj tucker just left i mean because there's there's reporting on that he might have left more money on the table they needed a three more than they needed a four yeah but he's not even a three though like miles is not a three he is too weak defensively really to guard the the best threes like he's got some he's like six six and he can shoot so he adds that aspect but and they needed someone else who could shoot although i think you know just starting norman powell might have worked better but like norman powell is better at guarding threes than cj miles is that's true so i i think that's you know all that comes together i am more charitable than you in terms of especially with a team like the Raptors treating the decision to be under the tax more as a constraint than anything else but I think that argument gets more tenuous with the Raptors considering they're trying to be competitive you know like this is a short-term thing for them their window is very narrow it's probably narrower
narrower than some people think. But the reason I'm giving them I'm giving them a B minus is because they also drafted OG Ananobi, who was I, I think a, a fascinating high upside guy. Not going to really provide much pleasant value, but wings are so valuable in the league right now, and the possibility of getting a guy who can actually play, I liked him a lot. And because I have to put my money where my mouth is with years, not dollars, because while it, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka both got plenty of money, and you know their their annual values are sky high, giving them three years and kind of timing everything up, I think is a very good thing for the Raptors. And you know it could have been worse, and so I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I think part of the reason for my C minus, I mean, they gave up Corey Joseph, a quality backup point guard, for as you mentioned, nothing. I mean, basically just the right to be able to pay CJ Miles part of most of the full mid level uh, because they had well, cleared and, and salary. doing and then, that before the season is in some ways even even the worst part because Corey Joseph's not a bad player you know if you're going to give him away for yeah. nothing you can play some of the season and then just see where this goes well they also had to give up a first uh and a second to dump Damari Carroll I mean that and Carroll actually you know is still it would have been the best three man on this roster probably still well, a guy who can, contributed consider, to some degree consider how what the Nets did in the in the crab trade where they basically just took on a guy they really liked maybe they maybe they could have argued and gotten a little bit less in yeah. this one and again you know they did do some tax avoidance moves here but I think I would have rather just held on to Carroll not give I mean I'd much rather would have a first or a second than have signed to CJ Miles and then they could have held on to Joseph as well but then you know they would have had to pay uh, the tax of course and i mean this is a ownership and a team that does pretty well they're in the fourth largest market in the nba so and Lowry and Ibaka I think our idea of their contracts is based a little bit on anchoring just because it was believed that Lowry was going to get the full max for five years or four years for so long and and Ibaka you know was going to be you know five years 20 million and so it's like all right we we got them for three million fantastic but then you also look at it and say hey like they didn't have offers that were that big anywhere else either certainly not anywhere else that would have been as good of a team as Toronto so in one respect you can say they did well to not overpay but in another respect i don't know that you would say that those are like below market contracts they're still probably no, I, slightly above market i would not contracts. say they're below market contracts and i think a little bit about you know like jeff teague's deal i think that you know obviously lowry got paid more than him but i also think lowry's a significantly better player at this moment in time sure so two years older but but yeah i, I agree i mean it, we it would behoove us to not forget just how good kyle lowry has been the last three years mm-hmm. but it also would behoove us to not forget that he's 31 yeah and nobody That's, else both really of those things are fair so yeah it's th- theirs was a was a challenge in that way because they you know and also taking on justin hamilton and then stretching it you know that's fine nothing nothing too big there but it's just another kind of like little thing that they could have maybe fought harder on like maybe hey if we're taking on his money we're not going to give you a second too or something like that and and with the raptors they've done a good job with their assets did we talk about i just can't remember because i know i talked about this with Adi joseph on real jam radio my yaka purtle idea this concept of the of the raptors your Jakob Pertl okay, idea. Okay, I'll explain. If, if you, you would know it for the rappers. Okay, so basically okay. the idea was if they had to get below the tax, and this just might not have been possible, but if they needed to get below the tax, if they could have just traded Valanchunas for not much, I think that in the playoffs, you know, like more more of like a salary dump in that way, because Valanchunas isn't wonderful, but he's 
on reasonable contract and all that kind of stuff. I think that as a playoff team, they would have been better off because they can, they're not going to play Valentinus that much in the playoffs. He's totally marginalized by having Lowry and DeRozan together. But, you, but so, you, but so you, you have all, you have kind of all that stuff running together. And then, so just throw Yaka Pertle in there for 20 minutes a game. I don't think they're that much worse. And then you can keep some of these other good players they had to dump. Yeah, I, I just... I was surprised that you went with an above average grade for them. I mean, I think just on the aggregate, there's so much worse than they were last year. I think also like the guy would have been trying to move is Valanchunas. Now, of course, there's no market for that. Uh, but, you know, I think Carroll helps them more than Valanchunas. Um, he's got a longer, Valanchunas, I think, has a, a year more on his contract. They're making pretty similar money. Yeah, I mean, they just, they got worse. They're kind of hanging around. You know, they'll be okay. They might win high 40s, low 50s. They won't make it out of the second round surely probably won't make it out of the first round and it just seems like kind of c minus for me like they had some okay moves to recover but they gave up like a lot of i mean here's the thing right like all right it's fine if you're gonna get worse i get if you're gonna get worse you went for it last year patterson tucker we can't resign them it would just be too expensive there's no way we're doing that but to get worse and give up assets to do it with the carol thing with Joseph, who was still, you know, on, uh, one of the better backup point guards in the league, making reasonable money, uh, didn't really care uh, for that too much. Final team, the Washington Wizards. Another one that didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. My, my main question was like, kind of like, was this their vision? Because a lot of this was not surprising. They didn't have a first round pick. They got Otto Porter. You know, he signed a max offer sheet with the Nets. Pretty much what was expected. A little bit, maybe a little bit pricklier than expected. They traded for Tim Frazier, which was a nice job. And then the only other real thing they did because they were ducking the luxury tax was sign Jody Meeks. So I ended up giving them a D plus, but I, I didn't really have much to go on there i had something to go i I gave him a d plus as well and i think that when you have such limited resources using 3.3 million on jody meeks who is like has he played 30 games a season on average over the last three years and is he like he's had maybe like one and a half good years in his whole nba career where he was an nba rotation player um and they're relying on him and they just have such a bad bench the i think that that they could have done better there i mean i felt like they felt they needed a shooter but i mean even to get someone who's just a little bit more versatile and just reliable from an injury standpoint than him would have been nice Frazier for 52 I thought was a heist though to get a guy who's been a solid NBA quality backup point guard for a year and a half two million a year hopefully can give them more than Brandon Jennings who by the way signed in China recently for uh about what he probably would have gotten as the NBA minimum I thought that getting Mike Scott was a solid signing for the minimum he's can give them a stretch element a guy who's had some moments as a rotation player in Atlanta that wasn't too bad either uh, giving giving them someone else who can just kind of give them some stretch as a backup for and then the porter situation you know certainly david falk's reputation is give me the max or i'm not signing it so maybe it just there was nothing they could have offered other than just a five-year full max so let me ask you this would you rather have porter on the five-year full max no options or would you rather have him on this 15 percent trade kicker and uh player option on the fourth year of that three plus one i'd rather have him on this just because i'm not totally sold on him as a max player and while i actively dislike player options i just don't think that 
that it's as big of a, a kind of a risk in that way for him because they have the ability to pay him. So I would rather go with the three plus one than the five. I think I'd probably rather have the five. And especially when you consider that John Wall just signed this designated player veteran extension, which is another thing that we have to talk about as well. I think they that's I thought of that as kind of fine. I mean, he's going to be making 37, 40, 43, and then another year after that at like 45 million going into the 2022-23 season. But I thought that was okay. It was a fair deal for both sides there. But now Porter can be a free agent after the 2019-20 season. And Beal will still have a year left on his contract at that point. And Wall will have three years left still. And so if Porter leaves, he will then be unrestricted. You have no way to replace him. And you're locked in anyway. It, when you have Beal and Wall making that much money, Yamahimi will still be finally coming off the books at that point. So maybe they'll have something where they can create some space there but losing him after three years when your other two cornerstones are still around and you have no way to replace him like that possibility at the very least maybe they could have just offered him the full four-year max right away at the start um so I don't know. I, I think it's, I think he'll at least, he's young enough that he'll, and he's has a pretty decent health record that he should just continue to be a, a quality player during that time. If you're willing to pay him the max, I guess the other thing too, is the raises aren't as large. So that, and, and now with 8% raises that could kind of make a difference, you know, in two or 3 million a year by the end of the contract. So it's pretty close to me, but I probably would have rather had him in the five-year max, but I understand why they just waited out because they weren't sure that that offer of a three plus one, 15 percent trade kicker all that for the max was out there for sure and that then they might have been able to leverage it a little bit more they just kind of gambled and lost on that one so i I think the more i think about it i think they probably played it the right way but it's an interesting question something else that bothered me at least a little bit about their offseason was that they traded for bogdanovich and part of that was of course getting him for the playoffs but then they also had his restricted rights then Otto porter basically got the exact money they were expecting then they renounced him and he signed a pretty reasonable contract with the pacers very reasonable so kind of like where were they going with that and they it seems like they could have gotten him it was of course a a tax mitigation move in that way and he he would have made them better especially better than jody meeks did yeah but bogdanovich if they'd been willing to just go and bogdanovich while he has his flaws is definitely better than jody meeks i mean they gave bogdanovich the pacers did 12 million dollars guaranteed and while he's getting most of that in the first year and the Wizards did not want to pay more in the tax. I mean, this is another example, although they are going to pay a little tax, maybe at least as of now, they could salary dump could still be coming, of course. If they'd been willing to step up a little bit more with him or just continue to play the restricted free agent game, force him to take the qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, right? So, but instead they just let him go. And I mean, that's the fair thing to do if you're not going to re-sign him. But I still think that they could have played that a little bit better or another situation where if they'd been willing to spend a little bit more, they could have got this guy who they gave up some assets for and who they need again he had exorbitant salary demands but it was still something i I thought a missed opportunity if they'd been willing to spend just a little bit more maybe like they could have gotten there we about done here (laughs) i i have to say that for the show to to officially end Um, there are a couple things i want to i just just briefly um i wrote my first piece for the relaunched athletic bay area talking about not only the warriors offseason but kind of short versions of everybody else you know like how i thought about cleveland and boston we've talked about it 
fair amount on the podcast, especially this one, but going through that as well. And I'll promote something that I that neither of us did, but I really liked it was, uh, I think it was Sam Bowden who wrote about Darko Milicic for ESPN about his life after the NBA and what he's doing now. And it was, I, I, I think it's my favorite piece so far of 2017. All right. Yeah, I'm... Uh... We'll have to read that one. And also, I mentioned it during the show, but our Patreon mailbag that we just did, if you want to hear that, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue is the link to register. We think it's a fair amount. And also, we're actually, within the next week or two, I'm hoping to start getting a lot more Patreon content out as well, get you updated salary sheets. Now that that stuff, the official numbers have been leaking out there, we're in a position to really get you set up. And then also, even because we're going to be doing this next week give you all the numbers on like who's got space in 2018 and uh even 2019 we'll hopefully get that tweeted out for you guys or uh i should say not tweet out because that'd be free but posted on patreon so we can give you guys some continuing value there for all of our loyal subscribers and we thank you for that as well thanks for listening don't forget about our sponsor betterment.com slash capspace you can get up to a year of no fees at that link of lower cost automated investing we will be back sunday night we're doing basically sunday nights and wednesday nights or so twice a week uh for the foreseeable future here talk to y'all then caesar's sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with caesar's rewards that means win or lose every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only caesar's can offer like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.